Alleluia. Turning your Bible this morning to the book of Matthew chapter 16. We're going to continue along the same line that we have been the last couple of weeks. How many know that things in the word, progressive revelation comes and things build upon other things? And that's the way the Bible is. It's, it's consistently progressive revelation that we learn more about God as we go along, as we read from Genesis all the way through Revelation. Matthew chapter 16. Father, we thank you today for your word that, Lord, it, it falls on good soil today. Good hearts, Lord, hearts that bring forth fruit that remains 30, 60, 100 fold. We thank you for it, Lord, that we purpose in our hearts we're not just going to listen to the word today. We're not just going to say amen in the right places, but we're going to be doers of the word and not hearers only in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Matthew 16, verse 13 says, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Do you know that how you answer this question today determines your eternal future, your eternal destiny, where you spend eternity forever and ever. You know, when you talk like this, people say, well, you're just narrow-minded and saved. You know, people say, well, you're just, there's many ways to God and we just, we carve out our own way. If you believe the Bible, you can't believe that. There's only two families in the earth today. Not 10, not 12, two. Jesus told these very religious people who we would call the word people of the day. They spent their time studying scripture and what did they say? He said, you are of your father, the devil. Now that's like slapping somebody with a wet dish rag. And he said, you know, and they got all riled up about that. But that shows that there's two families. The family of God, and those that are not born again. And someone said, well, you know what? I didn't make a decision about that. Well, unless you choose Jesus, there's already been a choice made for you. One's already been chosen. Unless you make the other decision to receive him. Look at verse 16. He says, well, verse 14. And they said, some say you are John the Baptist, some Elijah, and some Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Many religions consider the same thing today. Well, Jesus is just a good man. He was a good, he was a prophet who spoke to us. He gave us a way to God. But Jesus is the way, the Bible says. And, and Jesus said unto them, but who say ye that I am? How many know it doesn't matter what other people say? It matters what you say about him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, well, go back. 16. And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto you, but my Father, which is in heaven. And I say unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. Notice it's not Peter that the church is built upon. He's talking about the rock, the revelation that Jesus is the Christ. Upon that knowledge, upon that rock and that foundation, see, everything else in life can be seeking sand. Everything else really doesn't matter a whole lot. 
what matters is what do you say about him? Who is he? And that's what the foundation of the church is built upon. The fact that he is the Christ, the anointed one, and he is the way. He says, I will give unto you. Go on, go back to verse 18. The, the latter half. He says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. Everyone say that. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. I like what the Amplified, I think this is the Amplified classic. Of that same verse, he says, and I tell you, you are Peter. Greek, the Greek word is Petros, meaning a large piece of rock. Some, it's actually a rock that you can carry. You know, one you can carry and walk across the room with, one you could throw. He says, and on this rock, the Greek word Petra, meaning a huge rock like Gibraltar. And that's what actually the Amplified says. I will build my church and the gates of Hades, the powers of the infernal region, shall not overpower it or be strong to its detriment or hold out against it. You know, you can have somebody who's full of devils. They can have 3,000 demons inside them, outside on top of them. But if they make a decision, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to come to and worship him. Hell cannot hold against that. And the, and the gates of hell cannot come against the church and overpower the church. The church shall prevail. The Bible says about us, in just a little bit of review, we talked about what is the church. The church is the called out ones. We're called out from darkness unto his marvelous light, the Bible says. The Bible says that we are chosen. How many remember the Bible says, many are called, but few are chosen. You can boil it down to this. Many are called, few are chosen. Many are called, but few choose to obey the call. Few choose to, to place themselves where they can obey the Lord. And so many are called, few are chosen. And so the church, or the called out ones, the church is an assembly. How many know you can't just have church at home? Now thank God for the internet. Thank God for good preaching and teaching. But the very nature of the word for it, part of church is that you are coming together. You're the called out ones that come together and assemble. That's why the Bible says, don't forsake the what? Assembling of yourselves together. It is an assembly. And you cannot just have unity by yourself. <laughs> See, we're called together today to pray together, to worship together. To give together, to give of ourselves, to give of our, not only our finances, but our talents, our giftings, and to consecrate that to him. We have to come together and be under the spout where the glory comes out. Can you say amen? How many know in life there's places that you need to be to get the supply that you need? Even, even like, you know, just say if you have a trade or even if you're in business, there's places that you have to be. Maybe it's a continuing education seminar. Maybe it's something where you learn how to uh, get your skill more perfected. Well, you can't just do that at home. You need to, 
And I know you can watch a lot of videos on YouTube and stuff, but there's certain things you can only learn in practical application and having your hands there. You know, there are certain things that God, the same way, and I heard a man of God say this many years ago, there are certain things that you will not get on your own, you'll only get it through another person. And that's why what the Lord has ordained. How many remember what happened to Paul? He was Saul of Tarsus. He's on the way to persecute the Christians. Jesus appeared to him. And then what happened? He said, go into the city and it shall be told you. Well, Lord, can't you just tell me here by my horse I got knocked off of? He said, go, go into the city. Sometimes you don't even know why you're going to a place. Go over here and do business over here. Go over here and do this. Go to that place. Why, Lord? And you'll hear nothing. Why? Because it takes faith. It takes faith to step out, faith to obey. And when you take that step, then the Lord will speak to you. And so Paul had a divine encounter with Jesus. And then Jesus said, go into the city and it shall be told you. Believers should be part of a local church family. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is building his church. So I want to go on today and preach about the church, but sharing along this line today about the head of the church. The head of the church. Who do you think is the head of the church today? Jesus is building his church. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, 4, that that rock was Christ. So that, the rock that we build upon, just like we see in Matthew, is Jesus Christ himself. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says this, For other foundation can no man lay than that that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So Peter's not the foundation of the church. Jesus is the foundation of the church. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 2.20 that we are built upon the foundation of the apostles. The church is built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So what is it in the church that unifies us? Good answer. <laughs> the, Jesus uh, prayed in John 17. He said that you may be one even as my father and I are one. That's his prayer for us. How many know that Jesus' prayers get answered? How many know that whatever he prays, don't you think that, that he's expecting that to be accomplished? Even though you can't see it. I mean, the church sometimes can be the most divided group of people. But people try to unify around things that are not the rock. And you cannot have Unity around things that are not upon the rock. People are trying to unify around things that are not the foundation. And as I said earlier, people are saying, what is the Lord doing these days? Well, he's doing the same thing. He's saving people and he's building his church. Hallelujah. I want you to turn over to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. How many know this is an important thing to the Lord? What, what else is more important than his church? Well, what, what should be important to us <laughs> as people in his church? 
is, is his church and building it up. Ephesians 4 in verse 3 says, endeavoring. Now, if you look at this, sometimes we use that word endeavor to like, I'm, I endeavored to do that. Sometimes it's like a good word for try. But this is actually like a striving, like an endeavoring. I'm really, I'm going at this with everything within me. I'm striving to do what? To keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body and one spirit, even as you're called and one hope you're calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and one father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. Look in verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man. Now that word perfect just means fully mature. You're not going to just be perfect in the flesh without flaws, but he says that you're going to be perfect, a mature man. You're going to grow up. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So notice, what does he say? Till we all come in the unity of the faith. Our faith is in him. Our faith is in him. Notice he doesn't say in the unity of doctrine. You know, if it depended on us being in unity of doctrine, we'd be in bad shape. Because a lot of people believe a lot of different things, but the unity is based around him. You know, you're never going to agree on, on doctrine completely in this lifetime. You know, I believe that the first many years when we are there with the Lord, it's going to be like this. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't, oh, wow, I never knew that. I think that's going to be for, for a long time. <laughs> like some people have said, a lot of heaven is going to be for the, the, the end time prophecy teachers to straighten out their doctrine. <laughs> Amen. Well, you know, how many know it doesn't matter if it's end time prophecy or what it is. You, you can have all kinds of things that, that you could think. And you know, the Lord still loves you even if you don't think perfectly. Aren't you glad? Hallelujah. So it's not about doctrine. If you try to just achieve unity of doctrine, it's going to be vanity. If you try to get people to agree doctrinally, what's going to, that's vanity. But what do we have in common? We have Jesus in common. How many know you can't be a Christian without the Christ? So we love him, we worship him, we submit to him. And as we all do that together, what happens? We get closer together. And so if you love the Lord, and I love the Lord, you believe in him like I do, then I'm going to call you brother. I'm going to call you sister. Amen. I mean, that used to be something more, more so probably than now. But everyone was brother so-and-so. Why? Because if you're in the same family, what are you? You're a brother. You're a sister. All the brethren and sistren. Amen. And so if, if we don't agree on healing, then that's okay. If we don't agree on prosperity, that's fine. If we don't agree on speaking in tongues, that's fine. Are you in the family? Then I can fellowship with you. Are you in the family? If you're not in the family, then that's the big problem. 
Amen. But we agree around the foundation. And what is that foundation? It's Christ, the anointed one, and his anointing. That he is the rock. He is the Christ, the son of the living God. I want you to look over in Psalm 133. Psalm 133. You know, the only thing that's going to matter 100 years from now is what did we do with the church? What did we do to help people? Because for the most part, people 100 years from now, should the Lord tarry, won't even know that we existed. I mean, I know I'm sorry to, I'm sorry to hurt your, uh, your ego today. Sorry to, to, to burst the bubbles today, but most people won't, won't remember unless we set up some great foundation and, or did something real wicked. But, but most righteous people won't be remembered. <laughs> but look at Psalm 133. He says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. How pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. You know, that's one thing that we've always, the Lord's actually given us a directive in life to do is that we allow no strife personally and in the ministry. Why? Because when you allow strife, you know what strife actually is? It's how many love the, the manifest presence of God? You know, when, you, when God, God is everywhere, but he's not manifestation everywhere. You know, he's in a lot of places you wouldn't think he is, but he's there. He's just not much in manifestation where his glory is revealed. But strife is the manifest presence of the devil. And that's why we won't allow. How, how many think it's good that we don't allow the devil to come up, up here and sing songs and the devil to come up here and do things and, and, and act all crazy? Well, that's what happens when we entertain strife. We allow the enemy just to come on in and do his work. And what actually strife is, is the, the atmosphere of hell. Do you know what makes hell actually hell? It's not just the flames, it's the atmosphere. What makes heaven so wonderful? It's the atmosphere. So one thing that we've always endeavored to do here is, is set a good atmosphere. The atmosphere where the Holy Spirit can move and we start that out with praise. You know what, what praise is? Praise is atmosphere control, just like you set that thermostat. You, you want to change the environment. Put the praises of God in your mouth. What, what's going to happen? The Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy. The Bible says in his presence that the, the enemy melts, his presence melts like wax. I mean, that's just the way the enemy is. He can't stand it. <coughs> and so, look, keep reading here. It says, it is like the precious ointment upon the head. What's he talking about? He's talking about unity. He's talking about people that walk in love. They get along together. It's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. But look at this again. What, you know, what is the ointment? It's a type of the anointing, which is the presence of God. But I want you to look carefully at this verse here. It's like the precious ointment upon the head. 
Where does it start? It starts with the head. The anointing starts with the head. Then it goes down through the body. You know, it's just like, just like uh, God's place fathers. And I know people don't like it. It's not politi politically correct. But God has said the, the husband to be the head of the home. And that's, you know, being the head of the home is not a place of just privilege. Where you get met at the door with your newspaper and your slippers. How I many know that it's, it's, it's something where it's, it's responsibility? It's the same thing with Jesus. Jesus loves his church. He cares for his church. He provides for his church. He feeds his church. The Lord said through Jeremiah, and I will give you pastors who shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. And so that's what the church is about, is that you be fed today. That you, come, that you walk out of here not feeling worse than when you came in. That you, you, you don't just think, oh man, you know, what happened to you today? You look down. Well, I went to church today. You know, you, you should have a, 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 a zip in your step. People should look at you and say, you know, what happened to you today? Well, I was in the presence of God and I got touched. <laughs> so it comes from the head that ran down the beard. So whatever comes from the head is going to be spread through the body. So listen to this. You don't achieve unity by just getting body parts together. What is the church trying to do? They've tried to barbecue themselves silly. I mean, we, we love, we, we have faith, food, and fellowship. We have an awesome time. But I don't, we don't do it six times a week, you know. Why? Because our fellowship is not around brisket. Our fellowship is around Jesus, the head of the church. Amen. And we enjoy those other things, but if we don't have the head, if we don't have his presence, then we have nothing. Hallelujah. So we don't achieve unity by just getting body parts together. This anointing starts from the head. And the Bible says everything produces after its own kind. You know, if we just say in your own house, now everyone just look straight ahead, don't. If this applies, just go home and, and fall across the bed and say, oh God, they were, you were talking to me. But you know, if we act crazy in the home, what's going to happen to the kids? It's just going to produce after that. Right. You know, and, and like I heard one minister say this many years ago, he said, if you don't want to pass something off to your kids, there's only one way to get it out. Not 10 ways, not 12. Get it out of you. If you don't want it passed along to your kids, because you'll think, oh man, they're, the kids, you know, they won't, you know, I, I hid that or whatever. But no, kids, will, you'll look up one day and they'll be doing the same thing. You get it out of you. You live free. And so that anointing comes on you. Look at verse 3. He says, as the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. Now, he's not just talking about Zion. He's not just talking about a physical place. Where is he talking about? The place of unity. For there, at the place of unity, the Lord commanded the blessing. Even life forevermore. So, 
from the head, that anointing flows to every part that is connected. So we have to be connected, don't we? So what, as the church, we're talking about the head of the church, what unifies us today? Our connection to the head, our faith, our love, our submission to the head of the church. And I'll just be frank. In fact, I'll just be Will. But I'll be frank with you about, you know, I never went to a church because of any other person. I went to the church because of the Word and the Holy Ghost. Anything else is just kind of a little bit of a supplement on top. Why? Because that's your life. But as you connect to the head, as you connect to the head, as you connect to the head, then what? We're going to have fellowship one with another. It's just going to be a natural thing that we have fellowship. So I don't, we're not just going to go from here to there to agree with another person. Hey, let's just get together. Let's agree. I mean, we've had, we've had different individuals come to us through the years of the church to, to unify. Well, there's no unity at all. No unity at all. You can't just try to get that in the natural. That's something the Lord has to do. It has to be a spiritual thing. Can you say amen? So when it comes to unity, you can't just push doctrinal questions either and doctrinal things. Why? Because no one's going to agree with you 100%. But we all show up. Who showed up today? We all show up. We come in together. We believe that he's the Christ, the son of the living God. We bring our supply. What, what happens? We begin to be ministered to by the head. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. That means if God doesn't show up, I don't want to show up either. But if he's here, he's going to bring you all that he is. So I begin to love him. I begin to submit to him. And it's enough to bring us together. And what's going to happen? I'm not going to, we're not going to push lesser issues. I'm not just talking about, I'm not talking about up here. I'm saying in my life, in my everyday, we don't just push the, the, the smaller issues. I mean, like people have fought, people have fought wars over the smallest things doctrinally. Is it a sin to drink lemonade? Well, I hope not because I sure drink it. You know, people, people have all kinds of, they fight all these little wars within the church. Some people say it like this. They, they get on a, a spiritual hobby horse. Who's ever seen a hobby horse? You don't go far, but you, you know, maybe you make a lot of noise and stuff. But people get on those tangents. But in the, in the final analysis, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe in the blood? Then you're my brother, you're my sister, and I can fellowship with you. Hallelujah. Who's ever cut firewood? A couple people raise their hand because they... You know, it's not the wedge that splits the log. Well, you know, that log's got a, it's got a, it's got a crack in it. It's not just the wedge. It's part of it, but it's actually the person hitting it or that anvil or whatever, you know. It's, it's the person hitting it. 
People begin to magnify the difference. Well, there's a split in that log. Well, there's a lot of logs that they have splits. It's probably a natural thing. But you keep hitting it, and you keep hitting it. Oh, there's differences here. There's, there's this, and you begin to magnify that. What's going to happen? You're going to split that log in two. You know, a lot of people, they feel like they're, it's their duty to correct people. And one thing that I, and I think I said this last week, but you can make no one see the truth. You can't just say, you know, I can't just say, well, Craig, you're going to see the truth or else. He might be ready to fight then. And, and you, you cannot make another human being see revelation. Only the Holy Spirit going into someone's heart can open their eyes and they see the truth. And if they don't want to see it, they're not going to see it. I remember hearing uh, Kenneth Copeland say this one time. He said the Lord dealt with him. He said, you know what the problem is in your midst? Or maybe he asked him the question. And the Lord, how many know the Lord talks to you the way you understand? If you say, wherefore do you want me to go? He'll say, over there is but he'll talk to you the way that you understand. Amen. So he talked to him, I guess, in good southern Texas talk. He said, the problem is your dogged determination to always be right. How many know it takes humility just to shut up sometimes? And I, I'll just say, you know, sometimes you, you try to help someone see the light. You just realize, you know what? They're going to see it that way no matter what I say. Bless you. And don't get worked up about it. You just realize that, hey, people, people have opinions. You know, opinions are like armpits. Everyone has them and sometimes they stink. But you just have to go on and, and worship God. So, but what we're, we're going to do as the body of Christ is begin to dwell in unity. What happens? It flows over from the head and over the rest of the body. I want you to turn to Colossians 1. Say, thank God for the church. Amen. Amen. How many know we're not talking about a denomination? We're not talking about a certain group? We're talking about all those that are born again. Colossians 1. There's not going to be a Baptist part of heaven. There's not going to be a full gospel part of heaven. There's not going to be a Pentecostal part. There's not going to be a Catholic part. There's just going to be those that are washed in the blood. <laughs> Colossians 1 and verse 17. And he is before all things. Now we're talking about Jesus. And by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church. Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead? That in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. So who's, who's number one when it comes to the church? Jesus. What's important? The important thing is building the church. Building the church. Look over at Colossians chapter 2. Colossians 2. 
in verse 18. He says, let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head. Not what? Not holding the head. So what, what's happening, they're focusing on something besides the head. He says, he goes on to say, from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment. So what's he talking about? He's talking about the building of the church. They having nourishment ministered and knit together increases with the increase of God. So here there's increase that happens because of people coming together. You have to, what has to happen is you have to hold to the head. You have to hold to the head. You know, the enemy wants to distract us in life. If there's one thing that in this day that we live in, people are distracted. Who watches people going down the road driving? I mean, you know, as a, I consider myself a professional driver. I'm not a perfect driver, but I, I don't say that in a prideful way, but also um, drive for a company outside the church. And um, so as I do that, you're always watching people and they're distracted. I've always told my wife, I want an air horn for my personal car. You know, I just, I used to have one on a straight truck I used to drive years ago. And, you know, nothing like pulling up and, you know, somebody's looking at their phone, you just hit it one good time. Or you just pull up and you hit the air brakes, and they just jump, you know. Why? People are distracted. The enemy wants to distract people all through life. Here, just focus on this, you know. Yeah, you don't have to go to church. You know, you, you can just be good at home. You know, you're, just stay at home. You know, you've been tired this week. You know, I know what people feel like because every Sunday morning I feel really tired more than any other day. But I, I still get up and I, I, I put my clothes on. I come to church. And you say amen. amen. And so we have to hold to the head. Don't talk about anyone or anybody more than you talk about him. Hold to the head. You know, that's why even I quote different men of God that, that have made an influence in my life, but they are not the church. They're not Jesus. I have a personal relationship. I know, I, I know the Christ, and I say who he is. He's the Christ, the son of the living God. Put him first in life. So what is more important today than people getting saved, than the church being built? So because of that, that's our emphasis today. That's our emphasis. I don't say this in a, in a braggadocious way, <laughs> but I know that what I'm doing is the most important thing in the world. Why? Because and what you're doing is the most important because you're building the church. If you're building the church, it's the only thing that's going to last for eternity. How do I build the church? You, you, for those that are not outside the church, 
you bring them in to the Lord. You bring them to the fold. As we said last week, you, when you see people that don't know Jesus, think to yourself, building materials. Why? Because when the last stone is put into place, Jesus is coming back. So this is our emphasis. New people coming in and those that are in the church being built up. Resulting in the church being built up. So notice here it says in verse 19, in not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment. So from which it's from him. That nourishment is coming from him. So how is the church going to be built? By us holding to the head. All about Jesus. See, the church is built on him. As we see, we see in Ephesians 2.20, the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And beware of just building on other things besides him. Do you know what the, the Bible says? The Bible talks about the simplicity that is in Christ. Lest Satan should beguile you through, you know, his subtlety and you be deceived for the simplicity that's in Christ. The anointing and the anointed one, Christ, Jesus, simple gospel. You know, a child should, if, if a child doesn't understand it, then it's too, too complex and you don't understand it enough. But it's simple. Hallelujah. And I want you to turn over to Luke chapter 20. Luke chapter 20. Verse 17. And he beheld them and said, What is this then that is written? The stone which the builders rejected, the same has become the head of the corner. That's talking about Jesus. Whosoever shall fall upon this or that stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. What stone and what rock? What if you don't believe? Then the Bible says that you're not born again, you're not saved. What if you just believe that I can, you know, I can get my, my way to God is, you know, is just as good as yours. There's many ways. There's only one way. John 14 says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto me to the Father but by me. What if you just discount the, the Son? Are you going to be right with the Father anyway? Oh, no. Isaiah 8 talks about an, a rock of offense, a stone of stumbling. Do you know that that's, that's what the, the Bible says that through the foolishness of preaching, men are saved. Isn't it kind of foolish when we preach the Bible, we stand and we proclaim something, that something as important as people's eternal destiny is determined by preaching. To the world is foolishness, but to us that are saved, it's the power of God, the Bible says. It's the power. You don't have to turn over there, but just listen to uh, Acts 
This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which is become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. But what happens if Jesus is lifted up? He'll begin to draw all men unto himself. So the closer that you get to him, the closer I get to him, that everyone gets close to him, what happens? Well, he'll begin to manifest and we'll get closer one to another. You know, the Bible talks about a couple of different places where they achieve unity. And what happened? The church grew, but the power of God fell. We see that in the dedication of Solomon's temple. The priest could not even stand to minister because of the glory cloud that came in. We see that in Acts chapter 4, where it said they were all, Acts chapter 2, they were all in one place, in one accord, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven. Acts chapter 4 tells us, and when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were gathered together. A lot of people think, oh man, I don't understand this. People shake under the power of God. Well, wait till the building starts shake. People really will get excited. So, it's not about me just trying to adapt to you or you adapting to me. When we talk Jesus, we're going to get close to one another. Why? Because that anointing flows from the head. When you don't have the, the anointing, when you don't have the ointment, you know, it's like one preacher said, he keeps talking about the ointment, the ointment. What, what is he talking about, the ointment? He says, I don't know what it is, but I know when it's not. You may not know everything about the anointing, but you know when it's not. Because when you don't have that ointment, when you don't have that anointing, you get dry. You get squeaky. And then you slow down and you're on the side of the road. But when you get the anointing flowing, you get that anointing, that, that ointment. What happens? Things just, it, it, it just works. Yes. <laughs> you don't even have the words for it, but you know it just works. There's a flow. That oil just and that's what the Holy Spirit, he's a type. The oil is a type of the Holy Spirit. What happens if you don't have your engine with oil? It seizes up. How many people have seized up in life? Because of the ointment is not there. <laughs> when you get the ointment, things change. So how are we going to unite together? By holding to the head. Hallelujah. And I, I'm beginning to commence to, to close. John chapter 3. How many know sometimes when you come to the airport, they have to send you around, you have to come back one more time. <laughs> John chapter 3. And let's read in verse 35. The Father loveth the Son and hath given all things into his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believes not the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. 
How many think it's important what we do with Jesus, the head of the church? In fact, I'm not going to get into this, but if you study the Bible, the Bible talks about that every sin that a man does shall be forgiven him. But the Bible talks about a sin called the sin unto death, what we call the unpardonable sin. Many people have speculated that because they did this, because they did that, that they've committed that sin. But that sin is only something that a mature believer can, can commit. And what it is, is they turn their back on the Lord. The Bible gives us five different criteria for that. That they're, they're enlightened, they're, they're come to the knowledge of Jesus, they have uh, gifts of the Spirit operating. The Bible says the powers of the world to come. And it says if they fall away, it's, you can't renew them again to repentance. Not that it's impossible for them to come back, but you can't get them to repent. Why? Because they've crossed the line and they said, I don't want him anymore. But everything, whether it's a sin unto death or whatever, it's all determining of what you do with Jesus. People that walk away from Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church. No man comes unto the Father but by me. If people think that we're narrow-minded, so be it. We're narrow-minded and saved. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. But narrow is the way that leads into life and life eternal. I know some people spiritualize that and say, well, that's just talking about making decisions, you know, people in life. You know, narrow is the way that, that leads to wisdom and life. Well, that may be true, but he's talking about eternal life. Many people are on the wrong road. But he says here, he that believes on the Son has life. He that believes not the Son, he's not going to see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. Uh, just over a couple of chapters in John 5, verse 23, he says that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honors not the Son honors not the Father, which hath sent him. Truly I say unto you that he that hears my word and believes on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Our very eternal destiny is determined upon what we do with Jesus. And then I'll close over in 1 John, 1 John, 1 Epistle of John. in verse 23 whosoever denies the son he's still okay with the father <laughs> the same hath not the father the bible says but he that acknowledges the son hath the father also let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning if that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you you also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. So what happens when you deny the Son? You deny the Father also. But what happens when you embrace the Son? Then you embrace the Father as well. And then over in the chapter 5, look at verse 9.
If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which he hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar. Because he believes not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us. Eternal life and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son, well, he's still okay as well. <laughs> no, he hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know, not that you may think so, but you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Verse 20 says, And you know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. When we look back, I'm not going to turn there, but the first chapter says, That which we've heard and seen declare we unto you, that you may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. As we hold to the head today, as we cling to the head, as the book of Deuteronomy says, that you may cleave unto him, that you may hold on to him. As you do, you're going to have fellowship one with the other. We're not just going to try to do it in the natural, but as we hold to him, what's going to happen? We're going to get closer together. If Jesus is building his church, I believe that he's going to do it no matter what it looks like. Like I heard a preacher say one time, when you look at the army of the Lord, sometimes you see a lot of gober piles. <laughs> but God's going to build his church. God's going to raise his church up. And the gates of hell will not prevail. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today for your word. Lord, we just thank you that even as we've shared today, we thank you for your word that the gates of hell should not prevail against the church. Lord, that nothing the enemy has can stand against the church. We bless you. We worship you. We thank you, Lord, that you're building the church. And Lord, that what your priority is, is a priority to us. And Lord, we thank you for building your church. In Jesus' name, hallelujah.